FantasyFootball.com and the DLF family, a podcast. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City, and this is the Superflex Super Show. And here we go. Dr. Caitlin Fang is back, but this time, uh, no Tommy B. So uh, I, uh, I, I don't have nearly the insight he has Caitlin. Um, so I'm just kind of, I, I, I get the privilege here of just kind of, um, just, just riffing with you without any clue what you're about to say. <laughs> and, uh, I, th- I think that it's going to make for some really, really interesting, uh, fantasy football analysis. So before we get to any of that, I just want to thank you for being willing to come back. Uh, you're a real trooper, and um, it's 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 really great to see you and great to get to talk with you. Yeah, I am so happy to, and I also have absolutely no idea what's going to come out of my mouth, so it'll be surprise <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's always it's always the best content, honestly. Like, and and not only that, but the super friends are very used to that, so. Uh, <laughs> so that. yeah, it was so funny. I, Tommy and I were just chatting last time, right? Like the yeah. type of thing we would talk about on an average Tuesday. And I was just so warmed by how lovely and delightful comments were. <laughs> oh, guys, you... no, no, we just talk about that all the time. There is so much more that I am happy to bring. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, and that's what we're hoping to tap into. But yeah, man, such good feedback. On it. I mean, it was a legitimately like great episode that nobody could hear anybody I- anywhere else. Like that type of analysis, it just isn't there. You know, we ha- and we have mental health therapists and you know psychologists in this industry, but even they <laughs> have a have a hard time, um, you know, marrying the two. You know what they know, what they talk about, and and how they you know, go about their, their profession. And then there's fantasy football. <laughs> and, and for them, it, it's so hard to, to, to bring the two together. So um, you do have this, this very unique insight uh, that they have a really, really hard time tapping into, you know? Um, yeah. It's like talking to a stranger about all your problems. I am the stranger. I know nothing about fantasy football. So he will bring things and I'm like, wait, <laughs> what what about this thing and he's like you know nobody talks about that that's interesting (laughs) fantastic so how specific does he get when he's asking you these questions like are we or is he asking you start sit questions and and i know that he gets some uh some input from you on trades Mm -hmm. um although that sounds like you're driving that more than he is if that's that's the way i understand it so like i don't know what starts it is like i know <laughs> absolutely nothing about fantasy football outside of like he is very much theoretical his brain he has synesthesia so his brain works in these like really beautiful connections where he will pull in and be like hey so you know the like 10-year flood analogy i'm gonna bring that into fantasy and i'm like man i don't know what most of those words together mean no i don't i don't know what that is it's <laughs> His brain will just piece together pieces from his work and other things. And he'll run by like, hey, does this make sense? And let's say we were talking game theory in the context of psychology. Like, how would you apply this? When it comes to individual players, I truly like, I go with like, vibes. Like I will hear a name and be like, oh yeah, that's a good person. Those would be good people. But it's mostly a joke at this point. I, I love Mahomes and I love Dobbins. Um, (laughs) but outside of that it really is more we just like riff on theory a lot which is fun it was it it was actually one of my very first takeaways um from that episode not not the first there were i mean when you started talking about um you know your actual field of expertise i was like "Oh, oh this this is what we need but uh yeah you got to jk dobbins um and I was like, okay, yeah, this is meant to be because that was one of that was one of my guys this off season, um, and Tommy was very skeptical. <laughs> so, um, but probably because he was hearing it in stereo 
from the two of us, just like, Dobbins is going to be awesome. And then he gets off the podcast. <laughs> He's like, John was talking about Dobbins again. And Caitlin's just like, yeah, I, right. He's going to be awesome. And then, Amazing. I mean, our bad. And yeah, <laughs> yeah I he, the kitchen once and he was like, I don't know about Dobbins. <laughs> we <had to> <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> I think we get the W on that one, by the way, because he was awesome until the injury. True. So, true. yeah, <laughs> you only got one game out of him, but it was an excellent game. So I love that. OK. Dialectical behavioral behavioral therapy. That's a hard one to say, but uh, explain to me what that means. Oh, I would love to with my whole soul. So I was in school for truly about 27 years and uh dialectical behavior therapy dbt was a response from traditional cognitive behavioral therapies that noticed that for folks who really really struggled with emotions the traditional cbts which are very change oriented we take what we are thinking what we are feeling and we learn how to change it how our thoughts can be wrong how we're basing things on assumptions that are just not grounded in fact and it teaches us how to think more logically, how to regulate our emotions. And that just doesn't work for people whose emotions are way up here. If you are really anxious and I'm like, hey man, it's going to be okay. Anxiety is like, no, 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 it's not. Let me prove to you why it's not okay. And so DBT balances out change with acceptance. It is all about validation and meeting people where they are, being able to say like, hey, it makes total sense you're anxious right now. And I don't think it's serving you. So like, what can we do about it? Both you are exactly the way you should be. And also you need to change. So it's all <laughs> about like how opposites can be true at the same time. It really is just like true, like how yeah. the world works and how we can hold things. Like I can be happy and disappointed at the same time. So it's all about like, how can we notice what we're leaving out when we're at one extreme or another? It is Really, really cool for anyone who struggles with really intense emotions. I would strongly recommend it. It teaches you skills that I wish we just had in college. It blows my mind that people don't learn like, what is sadness? And what does that feel like? And what does it mean? Yeah. Well did. Yeah. And, and kind of the difference between an emotion and a feeling and, yeah. and you know, that like that's that's a that's one that I've been working with a lot. And, and so this is why I think this is so perfect because I, uh, I, I guess I can't say for sure how representative I am of, uh, just kind of general fantasy football players, dynasty players, even analysts, but I have a feeling that we all have some of this <laughs> and, you know, and for a long time for me, it was, it was kind of more of the focus on the cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy, you know, kind of uh, like, all right, I lost and it feels absolutely terrible. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so mad. I'm throwing my phone, you know, throwing my laptop, whatever. Um, and just like trying to tell myself, this is just you, uh, you know, just kind of um, regressing to your seven-year-old self, self being, you know, feeling rejected by your parents in it, it. But like in that moment, it does not happen. Like you cannot just convince yourself that, like, you know, this is just, this is just a very natural response. Mm -hmm. Um, that it's, it's learned behavior. Yeah. Like the thought that like, this is learned behavior does not enter my mind for a second. When I lose a fantasy football championship, all I'm thinking about is, uh, you know, all of the, we'll get to superstition in a minute. <laughs> um, I I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about, um, you know, my karma I'm thinking about and, and honestly just looking for, um, the, the thing that I'll miss the absolute least, uh, that's within reach that I could break. Mm -hmm. Which makes total sense, right? Like we want a sense of control, especially when bad things happen. If it's our fault, if we did something wrong, if we didn't wear the right socks, then we can fix it. And next year, if we just wear the right socks, everything will be totally fine. And in a game of chance where we are strategic, we are putting things into it, and there's this human element, we want that sense of control so badly. It is something that happens that I see in trauma all the time where somebody 
wants to blame themselves and say like, you know what, if I just weren't drunk, this wouldn't have happened. And it breaks my heart, but you can tell that this is like, oh, well, now I will never get drunk again and it will never happen again. And so it gives us back the sense of agency rather than having to accept that there are things outside of our control. And we're going to willingly go into another season knowing that this could happen again and we're going to feel this devastation again. We clamor for like, how can I find some way of making this within my control and doing things differently next time so I have a different outcome? It is so natural and there are some things we can learn and we want to learn from that emotion where it's like, ooh, if we mess up, we want to learn from that and not shove it down. But also if there is something we couldn't have possibly predicted, we don't want to grow all of these magical thoughts around it so that we have to do 87 extraneous things rather than just accepting. Sometimes we don't win. That sucks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what's what's really interesting is i'm i'm probably having not not probably i'm easily having the worst fantasy football season i've ever had Oof. and yet uh this will be in in a span of about three weeks um two episodes with a clinical psychologist and one guided meditation like we're really focusing on mental health here on the Superflex super show love it and it could not come at a better time. Um, my my question for you though would be, how do I uh, how how do I identify um, some of those patterns? Because, like you said, you know that there probably are some of these reactions that are important and worth you know worth noting, um, paying attention to because there's something to learn from it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, obviously, like, you know, typically we would be talking about this in a in, like in a much broader sense. But like we can really drill down to some very, very specific behaviors with fantasy football. Heck yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of the decisions that we make, a lot of the, you know, players that we trade away. Um, is a is a great example of this. I have traded so many players after one bad game. Not this not 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 this year. I'm talking like over the, you know the entire time I've been playing this game. But still, I I I take it very personally when they have a bad game, and I assign just kind of overall badness to them. Yep. And it, in fact, probably assume as well that it's not just that they're bad but it's also nefarious right <laughs> like totally. you did that on purpose you son of a bitch and then you know trade them away and yeah. get a horrible return and so you know there's there's some of this stuff that that you know it, it it's probably good to just kind of um you know feather touch it and yeah. there's some of it that you kind of want to compartmentalize a little bit and you know, come back to it. Totally. And I think like, oh, I want a nerd. And I can because we don't have a lot of content here. Okay. So I'm going <laughs> to out about judgment, right? So like what you said is so common when emotion is activated, we jump from this player missed. <laughs> right. I don't know a lot about football. Okay. This player did not catch the ball when mm -hmm. they should have, right? Like, or when I anticipated that they were going to. If we translate that into they played horribly, they are a bad player, we have this global, stable judgment about them. And if that were true, if they are a bad player, yeah, we should get rid of them. If instead we translate that back into what are the facts of the situation? The fact is there was an interception. And then we can look at it and we can be like, all right, what is the contribution in a stable way about this player? Or like, did they have a hurt ankle? Did the person who caught the interception, are they just like incredible? And there was really nothing that player could have done. Did they just mess up because they're human and they messed up, but the rest of the game was incredible. But we're focused on this one thing. We're like, because you did that, you are now bad. And so that is the harm of judgments, right? It ramps up our emotion and we're like, well, they suck and they're never going to catch again and all this stuff, right? And all of a sudden, this person is garbage to us. And if they are garbage, of course, we're going to get rid of them. And yet, if we bring it back to like, oh, they missed a pass or, oh, they did not catch that ball, 
then we can get much more specific and say, what is the likelihood of them doing that again? Is that a pattern? Is that something they are doing every single game? If so, we might have grounds to get rid of them. If not, we get to say, okay, I am going to keep an eye on that. I am going to notice they disappointed me. And I don't want to be disappointed in the future. If this becomes a pattern, I want to get rid of this person. And right now, this is what Tommy talks about a lot. They're actually probably devalued because of this, right? Like they went from being worth 10 apples to all of a sudden being worth two apples because everyone's like, screw that player. They're bad and they suck. And so everyone's trying to get rid of him. Tommy is the one who's like, "Uh uh-huh, let me just give you apples. (laughs) And then next week when he doesn't miss, all of a sudden he's going to be worth 10 again. And then I'm going to get rid of him. And so he actually leverages this emotional response, which he hates the stock market amount analogy. (laughs) (laughs) But like, it really is like a, when everybody devalues, that's when you want to buy things. That's when you want to put an effort instead of this impulsive reaction of like, Ooh, it did bad. Let's get rid of it, which is such a natural urge, but it actually screws you over in the end because you're doing this impulsive decision-making. And so I think it is, how do I calm down like last episode and then look at how much of this is a pattern that is likely to recur versus like a one-off thing where I want control by saying, if I get rid of this player, this won't happen again when really I'm just doing harm to myself in the long term. Right. Right. Just, just total aside here how do you how do you feel about the the stock market analogy it does it like it's an easy way to talk about the game you know so i think like this is where my lack of real knowledge and understanding about like scoring systems makes it hard to intelligibly talk about because the principles of like when someone gets injured you actually probably want more of that person assuming they're going to get better and come back because everyone's trying to get rid of him. They're trying to win now because being first is so, so valuable compared to anything else that a lot of people think in the short term, but especially in this type of structure, this is a long game. And if you're willing to be patient, you really want to like find the folks who are currently devalued and pour resources into those it might not mean that you win that year or that you win that game, but like, this is the type of structure. This is where you keep going every single year, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So like, this is the stuff where it's like, be patient, do the long game. And in that sense, the like buy low, sell high, I think that that really matches. Then his lovely brain throws in the like, but we want to mess with the markets and we want to (laughs) disrupt them. And I'm like, my man, I don't, I don't really know what you're talking about. I do appreciate the anarchy vibe and like, I don't know what that means, but I think his brain sees so many different layers where it doesn't follow trends and there aren't the same rules. Like you can steal all the quarterbacks, which I don't know anything about the stock market either, but I'm assuming we can't just like hoard the things and be like, ha ha, you don't get it. There's a limited resource in a way that is not true with the stock market. And so I think he is really good at, finding those like, huh, well, that's not technically against the rules. So I'm going to push at it and see what happens. And then chaos ensues. And then he gets stunned when people are mad at him. And I'm like, my boo, that's where psychology <laughs> comes in. When you do something that is unexpected and makes other people not win as much, they're going to be mad at you. They're not going to want to give you their stuff. And he's like, but I have really good stuff. So it would benefit them too. And I'm like, right, right. But if the best stuff, they're going to want to trade with the other people and not give you their stuff. They still do though. So. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. But yeah, I mean, sometimes on principle, even they're just like, all right, enjoy your best stuff because I'm, I, you know, to in my eyes, this is now an 11 team league. I'm not dealing with number 12 over there. So, yeah, it's um, this and, and man, this is this stuff. This is this is why uh, I really wanted to podcast with Tommy and and take him on as a co-host because of the way he thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it's 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 stuff that doesn't always work for me. I know that it, and it, it it's not about it's not you know it's not about speaking directly to me <laughs> like we're, we're 
we're going to have several thousand people listen to this. It's not, you know, it's not an audience of one. And however many of those people he he reaches, I wouldn't have reached. So, you know, it makes perfect sense. But um, yeah, it, some of that stuff, it, it, it gets difficult for me and it kind of comes back to the behavioral stuff mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, analytics, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't work for me. I even I even kind of make fun of it. I call them all numbers, but like it's it's very <laughs> degrading. Um, and and, uh, you know, like, like I can kind of identify trends more in a narrative sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't I don't really look into the numbers trends that much. And, and it's my whole thing about it is that these are human, this game is based on human beings, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> um, it, and uh, human beings behavior and performance. Mm-hmm. There's really some randomness to that, you know, really? um, there are some abilities for sure, but, Oh no, let's, let's hear it. I, I'll finish the thought afterwards. It's the perfect example of a dialectic, right? Like on the one hand, the mm-hmm. best predictor of human future behavior is their past behavior. So if I'm like, Hey, are you going to trade with me? If you're somebody who has traded with me hundreds of times, you are more likely to do that. Right? So we can look at data. We can look at numbers. We can look at aggregates and say, all right, well, like if you are really, really good at this, if you make a lot of points a lot of the time, you are more likely to do that than other people. And I think you're right. There is this human element where we don't make rational decisions. And I think that is part of the thing that breaks Tommy's brain sometimes is like it is he expects justice and fairness. If he does a kind thing, he expects that in return. If like he is offering a fair trade. He expects someone to take it. And then like each time he has to come to terms with, oh, but these are humans, right? And so I can't just say, I'm offering you 2% above the value of this. Therefore you will accept it. We have to deal with the like, oh, well, I thought that was fair, but you don't do it. And so I think it's both. I think there is value in looking at numbers, right? Like they're facts in a way that we can't argue with and say like, that's not real. And also there is this element of we're not betting on like roulette. We are betting on roulette where each number is moving around and doing things and getting injured. And so we have to. (laughs) Getting arrested for driving drunk. (laughs) More frequently than you would think. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, man, the roulette wheel would be just completely impossible if that was a variable. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like there's, there's, and I, I think that it's very hard for a lot of fantasy players to think in these terms. I actually think that Tommy is like above average in terms of being in tune with this, and maybe it comes from having a clinical psychologist as a wife. <laughs> Um, but I think that a lot of people have a really, really hard time with both of these, uh, you know, both of these two, two truths, which is, first of all, the players, the people that you're playing against, those are human beings with human thoughts and human behaviors. Like they're not just there to kind of dispense players at your will. Right? <laughs> they're not there to, to enhance your uh you know your uh your experience that's not what they're here to do (laughs) they're trying to do the exact same thing you are number two though is again like this game is based on a game played by other human beings Mm -hmm. again you know uh, influenced by emotions um and uh, at least um, you know sometimes emotional states at least like there's there are kind of a lot of different ways that these players can and a lot of different reasons that these players can do things that you were not expecting, mm-hmm. both good and bad. Totally. And things like weather, right? Like if somebody is used to being up north in January and comes down to Florida, like, sure, if we look at aggregate numbers, a player could be incredible. And in like a totally different setting, when your body is taxed in a way you are not used to, like that impacts things. And like, on the other hand, on this huge nerd who... I turn psychology into numbers, right? I like wrote a dissertation, I collected data. And so there's this balance of 
you can factor in so many variables. You can make weather a variable. You can make like all of these things and try to make regression models to the best of your ability. And you still have to accept they're likely to be wrong sometimes. But like, how do we balance my strategy of, I like that person's name. So I'm a <laughs> with like tons and tons of data and information where most people just don't want to spend that much time. You could, you could look at every historic past and see how, what percentage of them are caught versus not. And honestly, like a lot of people just don't want to do that. And it's a question of how much does that add versus not? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, there's also, it, you know, it also just kind of, um, I, I, I guess this is more of a question um, before, as, more than a statement. <laughs> I don't think that I'm equipped to just make a statement on this. But yep. what I wonder is, if the, is, is there value in recognizing the humanity of, of, you know, of these NFL players that we're trying to base this game around? Um, or do you feel like, you know, because there's, there have been a lot of, of human studies on, on this as well. Like sometimes mm -hmm. it makes sense to dehumanize, you know, whatever, uh, whatever subject you're, you're talking about and looking at. I mean, it's more for like war and stuff. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not meant to be, this is a freaking game that you paid 20 bucks to play. You shouldn't be dehumanizing people, but like maybe there's some value to that. Like maybe you, you have, you make more rational decisions if you're not thinking about them as a player, but you're thinking about, you know, kind of a, like a character sprite, like a, or a, or a stock even, you know? Totally. I think it's tough because, <laughs> wow, I don't know how to talk about this without offending people, but like there is a oh, awesome. who like did a lot of sexual assault, right? Like, yeah. And is a very good player. And so, like, we talk about him a lot because I'm like, no, somehow by picking him in this game, you are supporting him as a human. <laughs> no, I'm not. Right. Like, in that context, we are divorcing all the stuff that this person does off screen with, like, how good are you because I want to win this game? And I think it goes back and forth. Right. That's why so many people do this versus, like, horse racing like it is because of the humans it's because we like have heroes and teams and we care about it and if you take that away then you might as well be gambling on like kino and that is kind of lame you know like yeah. sorry for anyone who likes kino i'm sure it is delightful as well but it's different right like we want that little element of humanity and chance and that is what makes it fun otherwise we're truly doing statistical analyses and I like doing that, but I imagine most of the listeners do not enjoy that or want that as a hobby. So like that is the cool part. That is what makes this different from other gambling. And I do think that if we took out some of the humanity, like for example, if he just made Jaguars defense his team every single time because he loves the Jaguars, that wouldn't be wise. You have to take into account like what is the likelihood they will do well against this team? And like, what is the historic data with them versus other people who are playing? What are the matchups? And so I think there are some people who are like, I just love the Eagles. And so I'm going to pick all the people. And it's like, sure, you can. You won't do as well as if you yeah. do look at the numbers and pick people based on like who is better at getting points. And that doesn't even mean like, well, maybe it does, but I don't think it even means who's best at football. It means like in this scoring structure, what are like the triple word scores? If you're playing Scrabble, you can have the longest word, but if you are not making the points, it doesn't actually matter. And so I think there are just layers of different dynamics of how do you want to play this? And for some people, just like, it's really fun and I want to pick my team and I want to support them. And I don't want to have to root against them if my fantasy team is going up against them. And that's cool. That is just like knowing what you are playing. If you want to win, then I do think there's a lot more chess involved where you do have to think about like numbers and likelihoods and statistics, at least on some yeah. level, in order for it to not just be emotion-based. Yeah, absolutely. It, so the, it, Brown's QB is kind of a is a really good example because that's kind of where I run into to 
problems a little bit with it is it's like, you know, because I, I, I do recognize the humanity and it kind of goes a lot into my analysis, but then get to him and it's like his humanity is uh, very, very questionable to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, I don't want anything to do with that. But the problem is if I don't, somebody who doesn't think that way is going to roster him and probably beat me with him. So so yeah, it, it does. It makes it very difficult to navigate, you know, kind of like when is that the right way to approach things and when is it not? Mm -hmm. It is a little easier with him because so a big part of my analysis ends up being, um, not just with him, but just kind of in general, like what's my threshold here for Mm -hmm. risk, for, uh, you know, for being wrong, for, you know, potentially losing big, like, um, you know, take big shots and either, you know, win, win big or lose big essentially. Um, and that's, that's kind of, what it is for me with him, I guess, is it, it really just kind of comes down to uh, I'm okay with the fact that somebody else is going to use him and get whatever they get out of him, and I'll miss out on that. Like, mm-hmm. but you know, they're kind of they're kind of smaller examples that uh, where it, it gets really really dicey. Yep. But I guess I wonder how much of how much of our own kind of emotional responses are we missing out on mm-hmm. when uh when we when we do just kind of dehumanize the players and just think in terms of analytics and think in terms of strict probabilities um you know and injuries is kind of like this is this is the big example for me is injuries because uh to a lot of people injuries are formulaic you know, it's like this, this guy just, he got a high ankle sprain. That means he's out four weeks. Yep. And when he doesn't come back in four weeks, they're like, what the hell? Like somebody like jumpstart that machine and get him going. Yep. And it's like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't always work that way. It doesn't work, you know, just across the board. And, um, and you know, I think that a lot of times people just kind of they don't even think about the injury and what it's like to go through an injury, whatever that injury is. Totally. I thought about that, man, last year when oof, I don't know what happened to this man, but when that player got really injured and there were some folks who were commenting on like, well, but what's going to happen to fantasy? And it was just like, yeah. All right, team. <laughs> he died on the field. <laughs> like, understandable, right? Like a lot yeah. of stakes for a lot of people. And also it's just like such a glaring butting up of the humanity of it. Yeah. I think like with the game, depending on what you're playing for, right? If you're playing for a financial gain, it behooves you to actually separate it out. You can watch football. You can love football. You can follow players. You can do all of that stuff while you are watching the game and then separately play like a strategy game, right? Like you might any other game where you are looking at players and you can have fundus for them and be like, you know what? I'm going to pick that player, even though it's not the wisest choice, but you want to be aware of that. You want to know that you are biased and that is impacting the way that you're playing the strategy game. And so to the extent that like, you can and it doesn't take away from what you are playing. If you are looking for just financials, it does actually help you to dehumanize a little bit because you are less likely to make those emotion-based decisions. It's hard for people to like switch on and off, right? So like it's hard to be like, all right, I just made all these decisions that are more calculated and now I'm going to like go at it and love the game and be just as passionate And if you are able to do that and toggle between the two, you are more likely to like do better strategically if you can take some of that heart out of it. It just, it's at the cost, right? So like if you no longer like it and that's why you're playing, then don't do that. There's no reason (laughs) you have to do that. Like play in a league where you are not putting tons and tons of money into it and have fun and make emotional decisions. Like there is nothing wrong with that. It just depends on 
what the goal is in that moment. Yeah. Uh, so, but it kind of sounds like if the goal is to win, stop making it about emotions. So like, I'm already kind of, <laughs> you're nodding, you're nodding. Yes. Um, <laughs> super friends, super flex dude here to talk to you about Ticketmaster. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you a 360-degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to represent your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. This is, this is kind of what I was looking for, honestly. I mean, I, I really hope that some super friends get something out of this as well. But just kind of, you know, self-servingly, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're doing a little bit of an audit here on uh on the way i approach this game um tommy's putting me putting all of this into a six sigma spreadsheet i'm sure but <laughs> so so, uh, so let's get to superstition yes um <laughs> because that is another one it, it, honestly superstition plays a bigger role not just in my fantasy football life but just mm -hmm. in my life in general mm -hmm way more than like the the humanity versus dehumanizing <laughs> like that that part is that that part is there but it does not have nearly the impact that superstition does for me i love thinking about superstition so my one of my favorite populations is folks with ocd which can be really debilitating and it's premise does often come down to this magical thinking so we start and we have anxiety and then we do something and something good happens or we do something and something bad happens and in our mind we pair the two and we start to fuse them so it's like man i am so afraid that my house is going to catch on fire and so i turn the lights on 17 times and my house didn't catch on fire and it's like okay that has nothing to do with that right and yet we did it and we don't want to not do it in the event that that was what really prevented my house from catching on fire. And obviously that's like a little <laughs> bit extreme, but it really is how our brains start to work where hmm. we won because every member in our family was holding a different Jaguar's towel and waving them around three times. And so we'll like do this, right? We'll do this. And then something bad will happen. <laughs> And it really will be like, all right, who didn't wave their towel? Or was somebody doing it wrong? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. So we start to pair these events where it's like, how can we pair our behavior with what's happening out there? And the reality is we can't. The number of times I wave my towel has nothing to do with it. And yet that's okay. If it is bringing us a sense of like, relief and joy and we're really anxious and it really matters and it gives us this feeling of control fantastic the problem is when it starts to spiral and we don't get to enjoy it because we're so busy doing 18 different things to try to prevent a bad outcome that has nothing to do with what we're doing so if we have to have the right socks but if they're in the laundry then we're so distressed and everything is a mess and also we have to hop up and down four times because that one time they scored a touchdown when we did that, all of a sudden we're so caught up in myth that we're actually not present and living. And so I think that's the line. Where does it cause distress? Where does it cause dysfunction? And where is it just something that is a little fun, right? Like it is something where we want to believe if we throw the penny in the wishing well, wishes will come true. And the second any wish does come true. We're like, see, that penny worked. We don't think about all the times we throw a penny in the well and it didn't work. Right? <laughs> Just like pick that one time. We're like, aha, see, it works. Magic is real. 
And again, that's okay. It just depends on what is the cost of that. And when it comes at the expense of you actually being present and enjoying your life and being able to be present for the game, <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> Fair enough. It And it does. It's very intrusive. Um, it, but, you know, it, it also... Like I could make the argument that at least in some ways, um, it's also it's it's this uh, like negatively intrusive, but also net positive. So mm-hmm. kind of an example for me, mm-hmm. um, I've noticed that my fantasy football teams perform the best when I'm at the gym instead of sitting at home watching the games. <laughs> and <Love> it, it <laughs> which like. Yeah, it's it, it, it's uh, it, it's obviously very good for my physical condition, um, <laughs> but my mental condition uh, does struggle a little bit with that one. Yeah. Um, because again, like I mean, sometimes I would just like to watch the football game. Do I really have to go to the gym right now? Like this is the only way that my fantasy team and all the players on it are going to perform the way they're supposed to. Is if I'm like uh, I'm. I'm laying on a freaking bench while everybody else is eating wings and watching the game. Like that's, that's the only way, Yeah. but it, it seems to work that way. And so I, you know, I'm approaching the, my best physical condition at my oldest age, <laughs> but, <laughs> but again, my fantasy teams are doing absolutely horrible. So it's, it's, it's just kind of like, so wait, why do I, why am I still doing this to myself? Totally. And the point is you can't, you can, and that's the cool part, but like in your brain, you can't test it because it's not like you can be at home and at the gym at the same time and play out the different realities and see which one wins. The yeah. fact that you are not doing well and still continuing the behavior does highlight the superstition though, right? Like it's like, we want... <laughs> ideally some measurable outcome where you're like, I want this many points. And at home, I score this many. And at the gym, I score this many, vice versa. But like, then we can test it, right? You can like literally leave halfway through the games and go home and see where more or fewer points scored. And you can start to break that association in your mind. You can actually look at data. This is why we love data and psychology is because it helps us to test that. If that is true, If every single time, if you have a magic psychic connection to fantasy football, where you being in the gym actually does lead to these people scoring more points, go to the gym. The problem is like, there it is on the nose. (laughs) Probably not though, you know, like if we were to guess whether you are the hub of all fantasy football, (laughs) you're impacting all of these players scores, probably not. And so you can actually test it. You can say like, okay, I don't love looking at data and it's very boring, but for the next two weeks, one of the times I'll be home, one of the times I'll be at the gym. I have to accept that there's about a 50-50 shot of either being higher or lower, but if the time that you are home, you score more points, you can say, see, that is not true. You can disprove it. It is harder to prove. You would have to have like 20 in a row where genuinely every time you were at the gym was higher. But I I think like if you just have one or you're like, okay, I left all of the things plugged in. My house didn't catch fire. Your brain starts to say like, huh, all right. It is hard to argue with that (laughs) because I have the assumption that one time, if I just leave them plugged in one time, everything will burn down. If I just go home one time, I will get no points whatsoever. And that is truly the treatment for OCD. Do the thing that is scary, assuming it's actually safe and no harm will befall you if you do it over mm-hmm. and over again until your brain feels like, oh, that is yeah. that has nothing to do with that thing. So cool. I feel free now. And you can choose. Do I go to the gym or do I stay home? Less good for your physique, but, you know, freeing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just I'll, I'll just find a, a different reason that i have to go work out or else something else won't won't happen i like i mean there's there's a very obvious um my cholesterol will go up my reality (laughs) (laughs) or like it feels good i like being healthy (laughs) those are good superstitions to have um (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I, uh, my, I, they're, they don't fit into my schema, I don't believe, but, um, I wish that they did. But I challenge um, you for homework in front of yeah. the universe. I will invite you to go home once and to go to the gym and actually look at what happens. Ideally, like you do it two times each. So we get rid of the truly random nature of a 50 50 shot. But yeah. I think you'll feel liberated to be able to eat some wings while watching football. <laughs> I like it. And I mean, kind of like worst case scenario is we find out that I actually literally am the hub Which of is all. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, <laughs> how do I not have more listeners? How do I not have more Twitter <laughs> followers? I don't, so I don't. We will all follow. We will tell a friend. And worst case scenario, lots more people listen to your wisdom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, the problem is, I think I would just, I would have to talk more about Travis, Kelsey, Taylor Swift um, for anybody to care. Like, it doesn't matter how accurate I am. It doesn't matter that I'm the one controlling the, the tides. Uh, if I'm not talking about his Tay at the game, then it's just not even worth listening. The answer seems to be yes, you know? So Mostly, yeah. Yeah, it seems like it. <laughs> Question solved. We can move on now. <laughs> Probabilities on human behavior. We got one. <laughs> Unless she has an Eras tour. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but then is, is he going to be at her show? So yeah, it's yeah. But like, is he gonna pay a lot of dollars to go to all of them? Yeah, that's the real. <laughs> he just... <laughs> He'd have to sell that six million dollar mansion. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait. So did I just did I get diagnosed with OCD? Yes. I, I, I just I I kind of uh, obsessively stuck to that uh, to that thought. So. No. So magical thinking is not actually a criteria of OCD. Basically, oh, okay. it would have to be we have an intrusive thought that is egodystonic. So it is discordant with your beliefs, something like I am going to drop my baby and it's a really distressing thought. And then I do something to stop it. And that is where the magical thinking is. It's not like I hold a railing while going down the stairs. It's like I tap my toe 50 times and therefore I don't drop her. So that's where the magical thinking comes in. There is a logical pairing often. Sometimes it's more related where like, I'm terrified my house is going to burn down and I imagine that happening. And so I unplug everything each night and then I check it over and over and over again to make sure that it isn't. So you would need some sort of obsession and compulsion. The common thing for superstition, which most people has and is not pathological at all, it's just that magical pairing that is consistent with those. And so as long as it's not dysfunctional, there is no pathology whatsoever. Even if it borders on the like, man, would I love some wings? That's still <laughs> no CD unless you have these like intrusive, the world is going to end paired with some compulsion. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I, it, it's not quite that bad. So, but yeah. if you do have OCD exposure and response prevention, it works. It's really quick. It's so good. So, for those, what is it? Exposure and response prevention is the uh -huh. treatment that works for OCD. It basically is the principle of being able to think about that thing that you're really afraid of while blocking whatever superstitious behavior you are doing to try to make it stop. So it's like, all right, we are going to leave the coffee maker in and we're going to stare at it. And we are going to notice our anxiety goes up and up and up. And then eventually it comes down because nothing's set on fire. We can look yeah. at it and our anxiety will learn we're still safe. I thought yeah. the world was going to end, but we have to disprove that. We have to actually live it and expose ourselves to the scary thing in order for our brain to believe us. No matter how much we can say like, yeah, it's probably not going to until we actually do it, until we like touch the germs, until we leave the thing plugged in, we don't buy it. And so we have to go out and do the thing we're afraid to do. It's so effective. Okay. I love it. So if anyone struggles with OCD, go find that. <laughs> <laughs> So as an example, mm -hmm. uh, if someone had the belief uh, that their fantasy football team wouldn't perform well unless they went to the gym and then they convinced, but they still kept themselves at home and mm -hmm. ate wings rather mm -hmm. than going to the gym. That's it. Exposure. So I, so, I, 
how was I not diagnosed OCD? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, it is not impairing for you. And yeah. like, it is not actually a discordant belief. It is actually consistent with your values. You were trying to prevent a bad thing from happening. It's just the thing you're doing to prevent it is not logically tied to it. And so the treatment still works where it's okay. still like, we got to break that pairing. <laughs> and you can do that. And it's going to be so freeing. And I'll circle back in a month. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, so, uh, so I, I, I'm not, I'm not being diagnosed, but I am being treated. Yeah. So there we go. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> I like it. We have a plan. Uh, what else was I? So um, here's here's another superstition that I have. Great. Um, and and so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little bit of context. So when I said start sit, basically, you know, you've got your your fantasy team, right? And half of it is. The starting lineup, those are the players who are actually going to get you your points for the week. Mm -hmm. And then you've got your bench. You've just got some reserve players that you decided, yeah, they're probably not going to score enough. I don't want them in my lineup. Mm -hmm. So um, so the lineup we're talking about, uh, those are the players that we want to start. Mm -hmm. And those are the players we think will score the most. Well, so <laughs> I, I tend to set my lineup kind of early in the week. Um, you know, just kind of off of my own, my own projections, my own analysis. Honestly, it's a lot like you vibes. <laughs> like, <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> I just really like that guy's energy this week. Yeah. Um, and, and, but then, you know, throughout the week, uh, I, I listen to my friends on Twitter sometimes, um, I don't listen to a lot of fantasy football podcasts because I don't want those to become intrusive thoughts, <laughs> but it still, it still happens. And, you know, sometimes I just, I listen to my friends and um, their podcasts and uh, end up thinking, Oh, maybe he's right about that. And then maybe she's right about that. They'll say things that I'm like, it, it kind of makes me question the decision I made. Mm -hmm. And then on Sunday morning, half an hour before the game start inevitably i'm in there just changing my lineups all around yep. and every single time i end up making the wrong decision i don't even know if that counts as a superstition like that's just that just happens I, also, um, I don't believe you i imagine there are times where you make the right decision but you notice all the times when you make the wrong decision right like probably. i'm sure 80% of your lineup is exactly as it should be. And you wouldn't want to change that. But there is yeah. like some kernel that gets in your head. And like, I can't stress enough how much mine are true vibes. It sounds like yours is wisdom. There is a reason you are on this podcast. There is a reason people <laughs> trust you to be an expert in this field, right? Like it is not, I like the sound of that name when I say it on my tongue. Yeah. That feels good. Like you actually Dobbins really well, right? <laughs> the double B just, <laughs> just really makes it pop. Yeah. I'm thinking about Dobbs, but I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't feel the same. Anyways, like you actually, I think you, when you watch, when you get vibes, that is something about like your inner gut that you are trusting. And that isn't emotion-based, that isn't whimsy. It is like actually based on years and years and years of doing this, I I have a feeling about who is doing well, who is like off their game, and I get to trust that. And mm -hmm. so then you're doing your homework, right? You're gathering more facts. Some of those are opinions. So sometimes you're listening to other people's intuition and wisdom and are like, should I trust them more than me? And it seems as though the answer is no, you actually should trust yourself. There are some facts that you gather where it's like, oh, that person got hurt. So don't play them. <laughs> and yeah. you want to adjust for that. But I think it sounds like the last minute scramble, that is emotion mind. That is when you are acting based on like, oh, no, instead of this is what I know to be true. That person made a good point. So like, I will shift that part of it. And I think that might be the thing you're missing is this moment where you sit with it and are like, all right, let's synthesize all this info. What feels true? So it doesn't feel like this mad scramble because of course we regret that. We feel it as like, oh, I'm impulsive and I'm just doing stuff. <laughs> and it's 
easy to regret versus I thought about it. This really does feel right. I'm going to make these changes. Then even if it doesn't go well, we can say, but like to the best of my ability, that is what happened. I also think we want to notice the wins as much as we notice the losses. So Mm -hmm. when you make a last minute shift and it pays off, not discounting that and saying like, it's never right, but like, actually that one was right. Sometimes they're not. And that sucks. And I notice it a lot. Sometimes they are. And I want to celebrate that. Yeah. Intuition. Is it emotional based? Is it logical? Is it somewhere in some kind of gray area? Yeah, it's both, right? Like that is truly where wisdom lives is we can take all the numbers and then you're right. There is something about, but like that doesn't feel right, right? Like I can take all of this information about a patient and say, based on that, they should do this, but something about the session, something something about the way they worded it, like, oh, I don't know. I think I should check on them. And when you get that like spidey sense, that tingle, often that is a good thing to trust. If it is just like panic, don't trust that because that's probably wrong. (laughs) I'm telling you all sorts of crazy things, but we do. We have some deeper level of woo-woo wisdom, intuition, like it exists within us. And that is why you are an expert in your field is because you have this. And so for folks who have this gut sense of like, this feels right to me. That is what I want you to trust. And even if it's wrong, you can look at yourself in the mirror and say like, you know what? I feel good about my choices. I played this in the way that I value. I got the right risk ratio. And sometimes it doesn't pay off, but I based it in like what I care about and what I value and that that's all we can do, right? Oh my God. I couldn't think of a better way to wrap up an episode than that (laughs) statement right there. That was so perfect. Uh, this is this is why I I, I actually had a, a conversation with a good friend of mine um, after your first episode, and uh, and he was like, "Man, she was absolutely incredible." And I said, "Yeah, like if 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 doc if Doctor Caitlin ever just jumped into fantasy football analysis, <laughs> not worry about the player names, just." decide all right i'm a fantasy football analyst now we are all we have absolutely no shot anymore so i promise i won't so (laughs) well thank you (laughs) so so we can keep just fumbling through our uh our emotions and our our uh what we think might be intuition heck yeah um Our our pseudo analysis in our pseudoscience. Uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna keep rolling with it. Doctor Caitlin Fang, such a good conversation. I can't thank you enough for coming back on and spending the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. And if there are any specific questions, feel free to reach out to these guys because I can't social media, and I am happy to either come back or to answer whatever I can. Oh yeah, we're we're for sure having you back. Great. Um, yeah, <laughs> we we do have to space it out so that you don't start feeling like you know what I should be doing this because no. I could be running this. <laughs> Whose game yes, is it? Enough. Not a risk. <laughs> <laughs> you say that now, but we'll see. Um, but we're we're gonna we're gonna bring you back uh, honestly as often as you're willing to come on. We've got stuff to talk about. So, Fantastic, always. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank yeah. you again for coming on. Sure thing. All right, let's wrap this one up for the week. Real quick though, uh, the the uh, entirety of the J.K. Dobbins fan club says get well soon. So much. It, his his family i'm sure as well i think we're just speaking for them but un, the those of us who are not related this is this is a jk dobbins fan club meeting as well yeah <laughs> get well jk uh let's wrap this one up for the week and as we do that ask you for a quick favor if you haven't already subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts you can also subscribe to the dlf family of podcast mega feed and get access to all the great podcasts from DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Once you've subscribed to the Super Show, if you do us a favor, rate and review. Helps us to expand our reach, get out to more people, and involve more people in the conversation. 
And from there, we can really drill down to the topics that are the most useful to you, our super friends, like OCD. Thank you. And you <laughs> <laughs> can get at us on Twitter. I'm at Superflex Dude, at FF Tommy B. And uh, he 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 uh, he can pass along any uh, questions or thoughts to Dr. Caitlin as well for you. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James the Brain Catullus. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. <laughs> <laughs>